His extreme short sight meant he was excused military service. He spent the war years working as a supervisor at an ordnance factory near Leeds that produced military vehicles and ammunition. Providentially, he found his true niche in life in his middle years. He had always been an avid reader of detective fiction. I can remember a monthly magazine devoted to the genre, Black Mask, which was always in our house. With the end of the war, and with no obvious employment in prospect, he decided to give writing a go. It was a courageous decision. He had a wife and three children to support, and no guarantee of success. But against the odds, it worked. His first offering to Collins' publishers was accepted. Thereafter, until his death in 1979, he wrote under two pseudonyms some four detective novels a year. The royalties, while never very substantial, more than kept the wolf from the door. Above all, it fulfilled his fierce wish for independence. My father's small stature may well account for the fact which I only recognized after his death, that he never rid himself of deep feelings of inadequacy. Only when going through his effects did I gain true insight into his real self. Over the last ten years of his life, he wrote and assembled a large collection of reflections on life, entitled Thoughts While Thinking. To my distress, I realized from reading these that I had scarcely known my father at all. His musings are sometimes provocative, sometimes touching, often profoundly wise, and throughout suffused with melancholy. I read them with a growing sense of wonder and with sadness. Among them I found this, written a few years before he died. All my life I have been a failure. My one achievement is that I am now honest enough to admit it. How often since I first read those words have I wished I could tell him how wrong he was. My mother, Cecilia, Sissy to all her friends, was born in 1909 of Polish immigrant parents who at the turn of the century had fled the pogroms with their families and later married in the UK. Like many other Jewish refugees, they settled in Leeds. The city was then a centre for bespoke tailoring, and my grandfather Noah was a skilled tailor. My maternal grandmother, another Bessie, never learned either to read or write in the English language. Noah could read sufficiently to master the race cards published in the newspapers. He was an avid gambler. My mother was a physically attractive woman. She was denied any higher education, but was gifted with a considerable native intelligence, insight, and natural charm. Unlike my father, she enjoyed a wide circle of friends. From time to time, she turned her hand to the writing of short stories, some of which were published in magazines such as Argosy. She was a regular and successful entrant to newspaper competitions for verse writing. It was in those prehistoric days that the freestanding spindryer burst upon an astonished world. It was the size of a tiny waste bin, with a spout under which an empty bowl had to be positioned. You placed the wet laundry in the contraption in small quantities and switched on, whereupon it would bounce about merrily on the kitchen floor 
while a trickle of water dripped out, sometimes into the bowl. My mother won one such device with this, as I believe, profound quatrain. Quick as a dream, a spark, a stream, life at life's end must seem. On the day she died, she left the day's main daily telegraph crossword beside her bed, correctly completed. I have always believed that her literary talents exceeded those of my father, but the ethos of those days was such that she subordinated herself to him in the roles of wife and mother. Those were my parents. I suppose that to most outward appearances they were a pretty ordinary provincial suburban couple, and in many ways they were. But they had undoubted talents, and they shared an unshakable mission to see their children receive every advantage that they had been denied. An obvious question in view of my future career...